Welcome to the Moose Room, everybody. The OG3 is here. Uh, that's like two two weeks in a row. Exactly. We are crushing it. Wow. That's uh, that's pretty rare. Pretty rare. Um, so we just had our 200th episode. This is just back to business as usual. the The topic today comes from Bradley. Bradley's frustration. So we'll just we'll leave it there and let Bradley just explain what's going on. Well, everybody knows we've started this beef on dairy project. They're on an auto feeder, getting fed uh, 10 liters of milk. We, we did an, a recent episode on, on all my beef dairy stuff. Anyways, so we have had two calves on, on my project die and a third one today, not, not a project calf, but uh, a different one. One of them was uh, a weaned, actually weaned, um, just a, a week past weaning and died, uh, no apparent reason. Grew really well, like two and a half pounds a day. Uh, was eating fine, and then they found it outside, dead. One morning, a couple weeks or a couple days later, another one died. And you know, after the first one dies, you're sort of like, oh, okay, well, C- calves die, right? Thing things die. We we had the vet come and and. Uh, post it and take some samples, but it was like, oh, just save the samples just in case we have another one die. Well, a week later, another one dies and it's like, okay, now we got a problem because if, you know, one dies, you kind of are like, well, maybe it was some freak thing. I don't know. It's, it happens. But after the second one, it's like, oh man, we need to figure out what's going on. And this one hadn't been weaned yet. So we, we've, we've had the vet out a few times uh, to look at these calves. Uh, sometimes they have respiratory issues. A few of them had scours. One of the calves that we'll, we'll talk about today actually was the thought was it had a clostridium. And at least that's upon initial sort of necropsy that we thought, oh, clostridium. So we uh, treated everybody in the pen with penicillin to, to help with the, the clostridium. Because we thought, oh, well, we need to take care of this clostridium if that's what it is. And um, as we'll show later, it probably wasn't not that. But it just became frustrating uh, to see some of these calves, you know, seven-week-old calf, a nine-week-old calf die. Uh, the one we had, one died today that was a little bit slow. That one was uh, about six weeks, seven weeks old as well. Yesterday... Just got the vet report back from the University of Minnesota Diagnostic Lab about what is going on in our calves. There's all sorts of possibilities, and the, there's there's crazy amounts of things that could be causing this issue. I was kind of surprised based on the signalment and what Brad saw with this calf that died and the thought of clostridium to find out what it actually was. So Brad, what did they what did they find when when you got the report back? Well, on the first calf, they found uh, manhemia hemolytica. Isolated that from liver, lungs, and and other things. The second calf, they also isolated manhemia from the lungs, and um, which I was surprised that that's what it was. We obviously knew there was some respiratory bugs or, you know, originally we thought it was clostridium, uh, 
but based on the pathology, it looks like it was manhemia, which was quite interesting. Um, haven't necessarily seen that here in a long time. Yeah, so that's a, a bacteria, and I could I could definitely see how you could get it confused with Clostridium um, on necropsy just looking at it. Because, and I think the reason that that happened is because the one calf had peritonitis and had inflammation in its abdomen. And traditionally, when we see manheimia, it stays in the lung and in the chest. But it is super aggressive in what it does in the lung and in the body, and it causes a massive amount of inflammation. So it, it doesn't necessarily have to stay in the lung, especially if that calf becomes septic and then that bacteria gets showered into the liver or wherever else it's going to go. It can cause a problem anywhere if it can set up shop. So I could definitely see how you could look at that and see, oh, we got a massive amount of inflammation in the chest. We've got a massive amount of inflammation in the abdomen. Clostridia is definitely not a bad thing to rule out because we see we see that happen with Clostridium. But I was surprised that we saw that for a bunch of different reasons that the peritonitis thing didn't fit initially. But also you guys vaccinate for manheimia with uh, an intranasal vaccine. We do. We, we vaccinate... Uh we, we know this is an organic dairy, so we tend to vaccinate uh, for a lot of different things. And these calves were vaccinated for for manheimia when they were young. So what age are you doing that vaccine? Uh, we're doing it at about three days of age. There, there's a lot of things to, to talk about. And, and I mean, on this podcast, we talk a lot about just the basics, right? We look at the simple things first and we work out from there. This is the cool part about knowing a dairy really well and knowing a, a client if you're in practice really well. You can skip a lot of the initial, hey, let's go let's go check all the easy stuff because I know Clostrum is good. I know they're getting enough nutrition of high quality nutrition. So we don't have to we don't have to look for Clostrum issues usually. We don't have to look for nutrition issues because we know that's on point. I've been to the dairy up there. The calves are clean and dry, so it's not a bedding issue. Groups are maintained small on purpose with tight age ranges. That's still true, right, Bradley? Yes, they are. We are everybody's about the same age. So we we've we've ruled out all these like basics. And that's where this is my plug for having a great relationship with your veterinarian because we we can skip all those things. And now we can get to, okay, I don't have to waste my time looking for those things because I know it's handled really well and this farm is managed really well. Let, let's go start looking for the stuff that might be technically a zebra when we're here in hoofbeats, just not the basic stuff usually when we have a situation like this. There's different opinions out there. But for me, manheimia, it's a secondary deal always. It's never just the primary thing all on its own, right? A virus can do that. 100% a virus can cause a sickness all by itself. But manheimia is a commensal. It's there in the nose. You can isolate it. It's always there. So it doesn't cause a problem until something goes wrong and it ends up where it's not supposed to be or proliferates and changes serotypes and causes a problem. But something has to happen to make all that possible, usually. I'm looking for a primary insult that doesn't necessarily have to be infectious. So stress is a big one. Ventilation. And this time of year, I mean, it's 50 degrees today and it was, you know, in the teens yesterday. So 
are we getting the curtains right if there's curtains, which there's probably not in that auto feeder barn, but the garage door, is it wide open? Are the tubes going? Are the fans working? Is everything going right with ventilation? Is definitely someplace I would start. I, how's that looking, Brad? You know, ventilation seems fine. We're, we raise and lower the, the door based on temperature. When it's a little bit colder, we'll, we'll close it. And, but for the most part, they're all outside. You know, these calves like to be outside and not a lot of ventilation issues at all. You know, the temperature swings have been incredible here. 60 degrees one day and yeah, 15 the next. And Well, and it's it's super nice when it's one thing and you can point to one thing and be like, that's it. That's what we got to do. And it doesn't happen all that often in the real world. It's always a combination of stuff. The up and down weather could certainly do it. Sounds like ventilation is not a problem. We've run through the checklist of all the basics, right? So now we're looking at an infectious deal, most likely a virus kicking all of this off. The big ones I worry about are also covered by this vaccine, right? So you've got IBR, BRSV, and PI3 all in that vaccine as well. We've covered for those as well. So what are we not covering for that could probably be a problem and would definitely screw up upper respiratory tract and allow this to happen? Coronavirus is the one I worry about the most, respiratory bovine coronavirus, which affects the upper respiratory tract and causes all sorts of problems and allows things to go wrong. So that's the one I worry about. Have you done any nasal swabs on sick calves before you treat them? We have not done any nasal swabs, but maybe that's what I should do to check to see if there's any sort of coronavirus uh, going on. That That's the one of the viruses I worry about the most, causing some upper respiratory problem and allowing these things to, to go wrong. And it fits with the stress of weaning. It fits with the stress of the up and down weather. I, I, I think, I truly do think by the time we have a solution, this whole thing will be over because I think it is probably the up and down weather. There's probably a virus running through. Once that's gone, then everything will be back to normal and everything will be good. This might be a situation where, okay, we know what this looks like. If it happens again, especially when we're in these shoulder seasons, we have a plan for next time. I think that's kind of where we're working because I don't know if we have the time or the ability to stop this in its tracks or get ahead of it this time. We'll, we'll see. There's some other things we can try, but that's where I'd start. So a question I have, because I haven't gotten any airtime yet, so... I'm going to chime in now. So the question I have, Bradley, just as, you know, we're kind of thinking about this as a diagnostic team, gathering a little more history, and I'm probably a little less familiar with the daily ins and outs of Morris than Joe is. So have you had any issues in the past, Bradley, with other respiratory things, you know, uh, any any similarities you can find, right? Other times, weather's been up and down, and we've had some calves die, or is this kind of like the first time you're seeing anything like this? This is really the first time that we've seen any sort of major respiratory mm -hmm. problems in our calves. You know, we have it once in a while. We'll get some calves with some issues, cough whatsoever. But this year, we, we, we've had some big issues with respiratory problems. It's unheard of here. You know, when I, when I started here 10 years ago, they weren't vaccinating calves at all for anything. Mm -hmm. And so I started with intranasal vaccines uh, because we we're, so what, 
what caused me to start vaccinating calves 10 years ago? A, a, a big outbreak, a big respiratory and scours outbreak. It's like, well, what, we're, I guess we need to start vaccinating. So we vaccinated and we haven't had any issues until this year. And it seems like that's what's sort of racking my brain going, well, what is going on? Because we haven't had a lot of respiratory problems in the past. And this year is just, it's constant. It's constant. And it's like, some days it's like, what else can we throw at these calves to make them stop? Yeah, and that's that's a really frustrating position to be in, especially when you feel like you're already doing what you're supposed to be doing with colostrum, with nutrition, with bedding, with ventilation, and you still get caught. And that's just how owning cattle works. Uh, there, there, there's something is going to happen regardless of if you do everything perfect. I think coronavirus is a good thing to look at. We can talk about what to do with the available vaccines. I think one thing we need to focus on here is that this is a fairly common situation to have sick calves with a diagnosis for something that you are supposedly covered for with a vaccine. What was your initial thought when you got that report back and you're like, uh, we have Mannheimia hemolytica. What what did you think, knowing that you vaccinate for that? I'm like, well, what what what's going on? It seems uh, odd that we have nine week old calves dying from Mannheimia, and we vaccinated for it. It's just like I, I don't understand it. Plus, it's like, well, I've never seen that before in any of the calves that we've uh, necropsied before, and it's like that's the frustrating part. This is kind of the first time that we've seen it, and we've vaccinated for Mannheimia for five, six, seven years, probably without any issues, without any issues. This is a very common situation where you, you break with something and we have to go through the process of, well, we vaccinated for that. Why am I breaking with it? And especially why are calves dying? That's a bigger problem because like every vaccine, this vaccine is designed the same way. All the data, everything that it does to get approved is based on reducing lung lesions or re basically reducing clinical signs, mitigating cl clinical signs, making the disease less severe. So the response a lot of times when you talk to someone about a vaccine and the potential for, well, why am I not truly covered is the response is always going to be, well, what if you weren't vaccinating? How many would have died? It's a fair point. It's an absolutely fair point to say, well, maybe 10 times more would have died if you weren't vaccinating. And we've actually saved you a bunch of calves. That's one thing to keep in mind. But vaccine companies still want to know about this stuff, especially if you're concerned about the efficacy of the vaccine. And once once you bring it up to them and say, hey, I'm, I'm seeing this and I vaccinated for it, they are actually required most of the time to report it to the higher ups in the company and say, Hey, let's, let's track this down and really follow up on it. So I'm, I think the first step in any of this is always to contact your sales rep for that company and say, Hey, this is what I'm dealing with. Can you help me figure it out? First of all, and then what can you do for me to, to make sure this doesn't happen in the future? Because that those companies want to help you with that. So I think that's something you, you always do first. Have you done that yet, Brad? I have not done that. I have not done that. 
but you know who your rep is and you can get them on the phone. I, I do know who the rep is. Yeah, I'll have to reach out. So we've added that to Bradley's to-do list. Exactly. <laughs> and and I was going to say the same thing, Joe. You know, that's that's what those techs and support people are there for is, you know, hey, this, you know, I'm supposed to be preventing this with this product, but I'm not. So what, you know, what's going on? And, and you know, that's going to help you and them and everybody else that uses that product. Exactly. And one of the things that we're trying to do with the podcast is solve some of these things in real time. You know, we've done some of the case studies. We've done all this stuff. We don't know everything. I'm pretty sure, you know, people that know us will be like, well, yeah, that's pretty obvious. But we don't want to appear like we do. There's a lot of questions that this situation brings up for me that I I just don't know the answer. Right. One of the big ones is how does this vaccine work? Especially knowing that Manheimia hemolytica is a commensal organism and it's already in the nose. So, so how does the vaccine work? What are we doing? A lot of the times with injectable forms, we're, we're mostly worried about leukotoxin with this bacteria. So I, I don't know what's in this vaccine. I don't know how it works. So that's one big question that I have is how does it work? Because that could give us clues into... Well, if this is how it works and it's very dependent on this one thing happening, then we can focus on is that happening or not on the farm or did we switch personnel and someone's doing something differently? Crazy stuff happens with protocols and there's a huge protocol drift, right? Depending on who's doing the work. I've seen intranasals get injected because someone was new and they've always given injectables before and now they have intranasal products and they just don't know. So there's all sorts of weird stuff to check on, but that I, I think it's it's important for me to like start figuring out, doing some reading. How does it even work is where I'm going to start. Yeah. And, you know, you bring up a good point, Joe, and that's kind of the way I approach it. Like we started with, here's what we know, but then we have to work back some of these details. And it was interesting to hear you bring up the labor piece because that was one of my first thoughts is like, did something change in there because yeah if, if there's one thing I know about Bradley he does run a pretty consistent ship over there but I knew I do know that there is some employee turnover right and and that that has perhaps impacted some things in the past as well so is that maybe something we need to take into consideration here and then yeah my next question along with that was on the protocols right so those those are the big questions floating in my head on this I like to problem solve with the easiest thing first. There's no reason to spend a ton of money and run down this rabbit hole chasing whatever it is if you haven't checked. Well, well, first of all, is it even getting done? Right? Do you have someone new? Did 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 we run out and no one decided to say anything about the fact that we were out or what what's going on? Let's check the really simple basic stuff first. Is the fridge working? Uh, is the fridge where the vaccines kept? Is it is it working? Did we freeze it? switch carriers so our drop shipments different and it's getting frozen or whatever it is there's a lot of easy stuff to check first so brad where do you want to start it's your problem so (laughs) (laughs) which stone are we turning over first that's the tough part where do i start but definitely we will be revisiting with the employees to look at protocols uh, make sure we're you know effectively using the vaccine looking at the yeah refrigerator, uh, all of that kind of stuff to see what's going on. You know, we'll also revisit our, 
and everybody knows me, our cleaning protocols to make sure that things are clean and, you know, everything's happening, ventilation, you name it. So we'll kind of be going through a lot of different things to see what we can do and hopefully we can prevent it from happening again. Yeah, a systems check is a, is a good way to go. It's a lot of work, but you may catch other things, right? Early before they become problems too. So th- there's your silver lining for it, Bradley. That's right. That's what You're you can right. tell your employees. <laughs> <laughs> like I ta- said before, it's a learning opportunity. And this is what gets me excited is when I find questions I don't know the answer to. And I have to go find the answer. Um, and that requires a lot of reading. This is going to spark a whole new set of reading about Manheimia and and all the different things that we've learned in the last couple of years because I haven't looked into this deeply in a while. I I think it's a really cool bug in a bad way, in a really bad way. It's cool. The way it works It is, I I, I don't know, I'd call it metal, basically. It's a very, it's just an absolutely metal bug because what it does is it uses the immune system to recruit white blood cells. It brings white blood cells to it, right? And they're supposed to kill it. But then it produces a leukotoxin and it kills the white blood cells. And it creates a barrier around itself of dead bodies, basically. And then creates a little home for itself where it can't be accessed. That's pretty cool. I mean, in a bad way, but... Right, yes. Some would call it metal. Others would call it, you know, horrifying, perhaps. Building a home for yourself (laughs) and protecting yourself with dead bodies is, yeah, maybe horrifying, but... yes. Yeah. Metal. Metal. Yeah. Rock on, man. You know, I'll be honest, and I'm not as heavily in in the cattle world full time as I once was. You know, I I knew very little about uh, manhemia. And the fact that it's, you know, as I started reading on it, I was like, oh, it exists like it's there. You know, it's it's in the the nasal cavity, right? Nasal cavity. Um, you know, and, and it's just like those things we know that we have in our bodies, too, that it's bad if it gets out of control, if it stays where it's supposed to, right? And so those are the things that always really, yes, kind of trip me up, but get me thinking the hardest of like, we, we're dealing, like you're going to have it anyways, right? The calves are born with us, but what what makes it manageable and then what makes it cross over into killing calves? The next steps are Brad's going to do a systems check top to bottom to figure out is everything going the way it's supposed to? Is there any protocol drift? Is everything going right that way? We'll get in touch with the technical service team to, to see what they can do to help us make sure their product works appropriately. And then I'm going to figure out how this vaccine works. And to be honest, sometimes it's really hard to find that information online. And that's where I'm, I'm probably just going to call the tech service veterinarian for this company who I know and he will be able to explain it way better and way faster than me trying to look for that information. This is one of those problems that you got to call on your connections. 100%. So for me, that's, that's the next steps. And we will come back with more information and tell you guys what's going on. And if we figure it out, we might not figure it out. If we come up with any brilliant ideas, we'll, we'll bring them back. <laughs> exactly. And if you figure it out first, you know, you out there listening, you just let us know. Yeah, absolutely. If you've got if you've got the answer, let us know. We we will we're taking all information and suggestions. All right, Emily, wrap us up. We're we're done for today. 
Well, you know, like we said, if you figure it out before us, or if you have questions, comments, or scathing rebuttals about today's episode, you can email those to themoosroom at umn.edu. You can also find us on Twitter at umnmoosroom and at umnfarmsafety. And of course, find Bradley on Instagram at umnwcrocdairy. You can also find us on the web at extension.umn.edu. And that's a wrap, folks. Bye! Bye. Bye. Bye.